Truth is the authority. All right, first thing, bring your A game because I'll take nothing less. I mean, we don't need more regulations. We need far less of them. We're going to have an open and honest discussion, but the numbers are what matter. The facts matter. Forget about the Republicans and the Democrats for a minute. Let's talk about the people. I've lived the American dream, and I want so many more people to be able to live the American dream. My show is what it says. It's common sense. We've jettisoned political correctness. It's principles and policies that work for everybody. I just want to talk about how to fix this country. The David Webb Show. Questions been asked. There have been discussions uh, to some extent, but let's dive deeper into the issue of the Afghanistan catastrophe, a devolving situation in that nation, and what this could mean in the form of a terror threat here in the United States. Michael Cutler, retired senior special agent at the former INS and a national security analyst, author as well, joins me now. Michael, good morning, my friend. How are you? I'm I'm good, David. Good morning. Happy Friday to you and your listeners. Uh, We're in a mess. You know, the president wears many hats, commander-in-chief of the armed forces, leader of the free world. This isn't like an honorary degree that somebody gets for going to a college campus and they want to, you know, bestow some honorary title. These are meaningful titles. Um, And as Commander-in-Chief, national security should be the first priority of anybody who occupies the Oval Office. And Afghanistan, let's remember how we got there. 20 years ago, coming September 11th, America was attacked. And in short order, it was determined that uh, al-Qaeda and other terrorist groups were operating out of Taliban, turning it into a hub for their operations. Our military went there, hunting down bin Laden and his cohorts, and also trying to make certain that Afghanistan could not be used as that safe haven for terrorists. And look at the results. We, how many Americans were killed? How many were wounded? How many billions of dollars were spent there? And everybody wanted to get us out of Afghanistan, including President Trump. And that's right. Enough is enough. We, you know, we shouldn't be nation building. We should be protecting America. You know, many countries call their armed forces their self-defense forces. Israel refers to their military that way. Japan refers to their military that way. Defend your country. So now the trick was getting out of Afghanistan and doing it the best way possible. And, you know, when you go to the pistol range, there's a sequence of events. It's ready, aim, fire. You don't shoot before you're ready, and you don't shoot before you aim. You know, imagine if God forbid a cop did that and killed someone. Well, I really wasn't focused on where I was shooting, and some poor innocent bystander took a bullet. That's not acceptable. So if you look at the catastrophe, number one, the U.S. has no idea how many Americans are in Afghanistan. Uh, When I heard that, I almost fell out of my chair. Uh, It's a dangerous part of the world. You should know the identities and locations of every American in a country like Afghanistan, you would think. And then we saw what was happening, and the first thing that Biden did was to pull the military. So he didn't aim, he wasn't ready, but he shot. And he pulled out what should have been the last group first. Getting that out of sequence caused everything else to follow. And why in the world are we beholden to a deadline when you see things turning south really quickly? We saw the Taliban on the move. 
We saw city after city falling like cascading dominoes. Sometimes you have to reassess the situation and say, whoa, maybe this is a bad idea. But he well, Michael, on. why do you think that wasn't done? I get asked that question a lot, so I'll put it to you. Why do you think they did not reassess? To your point, and I want to make this clear with something I've read on the air, but this was well known, as you know, across uh, various parts of the world. Uh, the Taliban were on the move. They were taking action asymmetrically in different provinces, different capital cities. They had embedded themselves, and they didn't just do that. They broadcast it to the world. And even days before they took Kabul, they texted into citizens in Kabul. They used social media. They used technology. And they told them they were coming. They specified who they were going after uh, and who they will and what they will do when they find, for example, those who flew with the Americans in night operations saying we will burn their families alive. Good luck. They know who they are. So it wasn't as if we couldn't see this. It was telegraphed. It was telegraphed, and you have to wonder if foreign governments weren't involved. You know, most people don't study geography. So let's study geography. China and Afghanistan share 47 miles of border. I I wouldn't doubt that China was in there. I mean, this was a well-executed military-like operation by uh, the Taliban. So you have to imagine Russia, Iran, China would all love to see the United States fall flat on its face. So you have a weak-kneed president bringing America to its knees. And for all the complaints about NATO, and I don't know why he did it this way. I mean, you really have to wonder who's in charge, what he was thinking, was he thinking. Um, But understand, uh, Trump was criticized for making the NATO members pay up. By the way, Eisenhower created NATO, tried to get the members to pay up also, and Trump managed to do that. There was a big article in USA Today shortly after he was elected president. Trump is succeeding when no other president could succeed. Look what Biden just did to NATO at the same time. England and other NATO forces are in Afghanistan. There was a report that the the prime minister of England tried to reach out to Biden, couldn't get him on the phone for over a day. Over a day. And he was trying to convince him, Stop. Don't do this. It's going bad. And Biden wouldn't hear any of it. He finally gets on the phone and says, nope, I made my mind up. So he's undermined NATO and our allies. You have to wonder what Taiwan is thinking when they're looking at China. And by the way, just a couple of weeks ago, China put, I think it was either two or three warships to sea, brand new warships on one day. The kind of thing we used to do during the Second World War. Gearing up for what? Confrontation with America using stolen secrets from our military, from our industrial complex. So China certainly wants to take over the world, and they've been openly telling people that. And Biden is going forward with his Green New Deal. Meanwhile, China and India get a pass. They don't have to do anything for at least a decade. Um, And so we're hobbling ourselves economically. We're hobbling ourselves where petroleum is concerned. We were energy independent, not anymore under Biden. Everything that Trump did, and I'm not a big Trump fan on many things I would have disagreed with Donald. I think I thought he did a terrible job of communicating. But if you look at his achievements, Donald Trump reminds me of the doctor who's, who knows how to cure the patient but has lousy bedside manner. I think that's probably the best analogy I can give you. But all of the successes of the Trump administration have been rolled back on steroids, and then we have this debacle. 
and we have thousands of American lives hanging in the balance. And I remember when the U.S. Embassy was overrun in Tehran, and there were 51 hostages taken by Iran. Here we could have a thousand times, or um, not a thousand, but a but hundred times that number, maybe more than that. There might be 10,000 Americans. We don't even know. And we're hoping that other governments, military, helps to rescue Americans, when all that we had to do was, number one, not give up Bagram, not give up the weapons. I mean, think about this catastrophe. If you give material support to a terrorist group, you go to jail in the United States. If you provide certain industrial products that have dual use, meaning they could be used for the civilian purpose and they could be used militarily, you're going to be prosecuted. You can't sell certain equipment to Iran or Russia, right, for that reason. And the United States military abandoned, from what I've read, billions, billions, with a B, billions of dollars of military hardware to the Taliban, which means ISIS and al-Qaeda. I don't think the United States has suffered a greater setback, a more catastrophic setback, than we've seen in the last week at the hands of the president of the United States, who stands there and says, the buck stops here, but don't blame me. Well, what does that expression mean, the buck stops here? I'm responsible, but I'm not responsible. This is double thing, holding conflicting ideas in your head at the same time and accepting both of them. The buck stops but let, here, let's but go to some me. operational issues, because everything you lay out is the way this has been handled. It's been malfeasance, to use your word. Uh, from your local article, malfeasance by Biden, the administration, national security, um, uh, people that Blinken, Milley, Austin, you know, the military decisions that were were not made. Right. But let's bring this home for the people. I want to take two paths. Well, one path, but two components of this, Michael, that 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 I know concern you. Uh, even more on the home front, if you will. Yes. First, first step here is who's being evacuated from Afghanistan. Put aside the Americans for the moment, those who we had actually identified and worked with, that we have a better idea of who they are, uh, that you know our allies whose families will be burned, literally killed and burned if the Taliban keeps their word, not mine or your word, their word. But people are piling in and coming out. We're not vetting by every source I have checked these people or have the ability to vet them correctly, but then they will end up, whether at Fort Bliss or Fort McCoy or some other place in the United States, on American soil. First step is there. Second is not only the border, but the border, which is un, which is, which is unprotected, fully open, so we can have a flow through the southern border and we can have a flow literally through the belly of a C-17 into America, which brings a potential terrorist threat. And if you're the Taliban or you're Iran and their other allies in the Islamist world, this is something you make sure you do. You get your people in. So those are two of the biggest parts of this that I think will come home to hurt us if it does. Well, and so let's go back to what I've always said. We're not a country of four border states. We keep hearing about the Mexican border. We are a country of 50 border states. Uh, And, you know, normally when people are refugees, there's a vetting process. I could tell you that my first wife, may she rest in peace, died over 30 years ago to cancer. Her family went through the Holocaust. They spent years in Italy at a refugee resettlement camp while America 
cleared them so that they could be admitted into the United States. We weren't worrying about terrorists. We were worried about Nazis and spies and so forth. In fact, they waited so long that her brother was born in Italy in a resettlement camp for refugees. Here, we're putting people wholesale on airplanes, flying them here. And we've had insider attacks, by the way, throughout the Middle East. So even the people who work with us sometimes uh, aren't who we think they are. But here, this is just a massive amount of human um, humanity getting on airplanes, coming into the United States. And you're right, the vetting process is a problem. And let's look at Alejandro Mayorkas, the head of the Department of Homeland Security, and I wrote a piece about him. By the way, my articles on both of these issues appear at both usinc.org, I-N-C, usincorporated.org, and, of course, at frontpagemag.com, Frontpage Magazine. I've been writing for them for years. And I've addressed these, this very issue in both of those uh, websites within the last day or two. If you look at Mayorkas's background, what I, what, I, what I look at and it scares the hell out of me is when he was the head of Citizenship and Immigration Services. These are the adjudicators. We're talking about the adjudication of these applications. He did it for Obama. He came under investigation by the Office of the Inspector General at the behest of the employees of the old uh, INS, or, or actually it would have been USCIS, forgive me, USCIS, saying we were ordered to approve applications and we never should have approved them. He told his people, get to yes, stop denying applications and approve them. The 9-11 Commission, to which, by the way, I provided testimony, identified immigration fraud and visa fraud as the key method of entry and embedding for terrorists, not just on 9-11, but at a whole bunch of cases that they examined as they looked back at the 9-11 attacks for the purpose of preventing the next attack, which is why I testified before something like 17 hearings. How do we protect America? So you have the head of the adjudications program saying approve everything, meaning fraud is going to run through the whole program. He also came up with DACA, this guy, and they had a 98% approval rating as he ordered his people get to yes. So he's now in charge of the entire operation under the Department of Homeland Security umbrella. I call it the Department of Homeland Surrender under Mayorkas. We're going to wind up approving applications for people whose identities and potential nexus to terrorism cannot be determined. Now, remember something. 19 hijackers on 9-11 as we approach the 20th anniversary. 19 hijackers barely out of their teens killed more people than we lost to the entire Japanese fleet at Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941. And the death count from 9-11 continues to this very day. How many billions of dollars have been allocated for the treatment of people that are suffering because of the toxins they're exposed to when the towers collapsed? We've not learned the lessons of 9-11 or the attack at the Boston Marathon or what happened in San Bernardino. You have a guy at the helm of Homeland Surrender, as I call it, telling his people to prove everything. And they're going to streamline the process and not even hold people necessarily in custody because we have limited resources. So let's turn them loose while we decide if they're a threat. So who's going to look for them? Biden has ordered that ICE agents make no arrests of any illegal aliens, even if they have outstanding warrants of deportation, unless they have lengthy rap sheets and convictions or woe unto those agents. So we have no interior enforcement. We're going to flood America with God knows how many people directly from Afghanistan. The Mexican border is wide open. No interior enforcement. This is a violation categorically of each and every finding and recommendation of the 9-11 Commission. It also goes against reality. 
Michael, this goes against plain reality for anyone listening, anybody who's concerned. This isn't about party. The the hijackers didn't check the party registration before they took the planes. They didn't make sure there were only, you know, people from one party or another certain group in the towers or in the Pentagon. So now let's 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 wrap on the next steps that that. If, if there are, and this is where I, I come to another point of serious concern, beyond serious. If there is, is there any point right now, given all the things you've laid out and written about uh, in your recent articles, is there anything that can be done to stop, to stem this uh, when literally planes are flying and Mayorkas, Biden, Biden's gone. He's on his way to Delaware shortly. He doesn't even seem to think there's a, a national crisis. The White House is absent. So is there any way to stem this now? Or are we in a real pickle? We, we, are, we are in a pickle. And, you know, there have been hearing after hearing in the media, not reporting on this. You've allowed me to do it on your program. I have to commend you for the great job that you do, David. I mean that sincerely. But there have been hearings about how Hezbollah, think about Hezbollah, the Middle East and terrorism, Hezbollah, Hamas, possibly Al-Qaeda, throughout Latin America right now as we speak. This has been going on for years, working with human traffickers and drug smugglers to flood narcotics into the United States to kill our people. They've been very good at it. This is really, as far as I'm concerned, chemical warfare to generate money to fund terrorism, to move people into the United States, including sleeper agents. And you've had both parties saying we're not going to build a border wall. The border wall isn't designed to stop anybody from entering the country. That may shock people. It's designed to make certain that everyone goes through the vetting process at ports of entry. I compare the, the border wall to the, uh, the, 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 the cattle runs at the airport when you go to TSA before you get on an airplane. So let's use that analogy. Would you get on a plane if you saw people sneaking past the TSA? I wouldn't. But we're being forced by this administration and prior administrations to live among millions of aliens who have no right to be here, whose identities are unknown and unknowable. Uh, We're forced to live among them, even though they skip that vetting process that's designed to keep out criminals and terrorists and aliens with dangerous communicable diseases. Our own government has been acting against our own best interests. This is hardly the government that Lincoln envisioned, the government of the people, by the people, for the people. It has become a government of the lobbyists who have bribed the politicians, let's be crystal clear, campaign contribution is Orwellian newspeak for bribe. As a federal agent, I was not allowed to take a a glass of soda or a cup of coffee on duty. How much money gets pumped into campaigns? And so we've got replacement workers destroying jobs and wages for Americans, and we have a clear and present national security threat, even as we speak, that has been ongoing for years, even as Iran races to get nuclear weapons. What happens if they decide that we're trying to interfere with their nuclear program and orders their sleeper agents into action? We have no idea who's here. We have a couple of thousand ICE agents for the whole country, and most of the work they do has nothing to do with immigration. That's because of George W. Bush. It's both political parties. Bush created DHS in violation of the Homeland Security Act. Customs and Border Protection was never supposed to be separated from ICE. I testified at hearings about this. I worked with them on strategy sessions. It was supposed to be seamless, and Bush himself created barriers to the enforcement of our laws, but did not create a barrier to the entry of aliens who pose a threat to our safety and well-being. We will pay a price, I fear, because of the ineptitude and, frankly, 
perhaps the corruption of our political leaders. And the American people have been asleep at the switch, worried about being woke and fashionable instead of worrying about item one, which should be safety. Or being killed by a terrorist in plain English or a criminal or an MS-13 gang member, whatever the unknown may be. Michael, (laughs) uh, always appreciate your input, my friend. I've got to go to break here, but uh, your articles are up on my social media front page mag. Folks, just Google Michael Cutler. You'll pull up accurate and effective uh, explanations of what's going on in our country from a security perspective. Thank you, Michael. Thank you so well. Be well. Stay safe. Thank you. You too. I'll be right back.